0: Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. In our series in Hebrews, as you see, our tagline is Jesus, the perfect priest, the superior sacrifice. And one other encouragement that I would like all of us to understand is this. This whole entire book right here, all 66 books, every single verse that you find in the Bible actually is all about Jesus. The Bible's not about me. It's not about you. It is about Jesus. And in Hebrews, we have an awesome opportunity to see exactly who he is. And as we get into today's sermon, and as we have an opportunity to reflect upon who Jesus is, I just want to tell you this story about a lady who went to go see her pastor. This is an account that I read recently from a pastor. See, this lady came to her pastor's office, and she told her pastor that, "I have this problem, and, and I just need help. I am desperate." I'm in a situation that is controlling my life and I just just can't do anything about it. So the pastor inquired a bit and asked her, what is it that you have an issue with? And she proceeded to tell him that she was living a life as a call girl or a prostitute. And it wasn't just the prostitution that she was involved in, it was everything else that comes along with it the drug addiction, and all the other choices that you make when you live a life like that. She was looking for help. So the pastor did the one thing that I think we all should be able to relate to, the one thing that you would probably should do if this person came to you, that one thing would be this, it would be to share the good news of Jesus Christ. As he shared the good news of Jesus with her, she was willing and able to accept what he was saying about Jesus. But the unfortunate thing was this. She was only willing to accept Jesus on an intellectual level. See, because the pastor said, this is great news. Now now that you've accepted Jesus or you are accepting what I'm telling you about him, we need to do something. So he, he asked her, and we're going to put this into today's terms because I, I think this story is rather old because he was referring to what would be known as a Rolodex. A lot of you guys know what a Rolodex is or an address book. Some of us here who are younger have no idea what that is. But think of it like this. He asked to see her cell phone. He said, pull out yourself. I'm going to walk you through the sequence of events for you to put an end to this once and for all. And what he asked her to do, and you see this image on your screen. He walked her through the steps of deleting all of her contacts that had to do with her making money through prostitution. He was going to cut the snake's head off for her or he was actually shall I say leading her to Jesus who would cut the head of the snake off for her but that's where the problem lied because she refused to do so and her reasoning was this she said I can't do that and the pastor asked why not and she said do you know how much money those contacts are worth brothers and sisters We must fully commit to Jesus. We can't just partially commit. We can't just give him a fraction of ourselves. No, we are called to fully commit to Jesus because if we fail to do so, there will be a consequence to our negligence. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. And that title is this. The consequence of gospel negligence. The consequence of gospel negligence. We continue in our sermon series in the book of Hebrews. We're going to be in chapter 2 today, verses 1 through 4. Last week, Pastor Jared encouraged us in the notion that Jesus is in fact greater than the angels. Even though he was made to be lower than the angels for a brief period in time, he is now greater than he has always been greater than the angels and we know this because first and foremost he is God only God is greater than the angels but we also know this from Pastor Jared's sermon last week that he is greater than the angels because he is our Messiah, Jesus is our Savior Keep that in mind. He is our Savior. The lady went to the pastor looking to be saved from her situation. But with all this being said, let's go ahead and get into our text this morning. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. The verses will be on the screen for you if you have not brought your Bible with you this morning. Verse 1, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. This brings us to the main idea as we look at these four verses this morning, as we put them into one sentence, it looks just like this. It states this, those who neglect the gospel cannot afford the hell to pay. That's basically what's being said here. In these four verses, what's being said by the author of Hebrews, and mind you, we still, to this day, do not know who actually authored Hebrews other than whoever it was humanly was led by the Spirit to write what he wrote. But we do know this with these four verses. Those who neglect the gospel cannot afford the hell to pay. Again, allow me to ask you this question as we reflect back to our opening illustration with this lady. And I want to ask this to each and every one of you. I'm even asking this question of myself. What is it in your life that you need to delete? What is it in your life that you have still been unwilling 2. Delete. Verse 1. What is the therefore, therefore? That's what we ask when we look at the text each and every time. Every time you see a therefore, always ask the question, what's the therefore, therefore? See, this particular therefore is a reminder of who Jesus is. Because like we said last week, we learned that Jesus is greater than the angels. So since Jesus is greater than the angels, therefore, he has to be God. He is God. Church, because of who Jesus is, we must hold fast to him and nobody else. Don't hold fast to somebody who's only voted into office for four years, maybe eight At the most, Max, hold fast to Jesus. He is the center. He is the nucleus of our spiritual lives. The we found in verse 1 actually pertains to the Hebrews. It pertains to the Jews. But also to anyone else who has heard the gospel. Anyone who understands the good news just intellectually like our Illustration from this lady who went to go visit her pastor. The real encouragement in verse 1, however, is found at the end where it says, lest we drift from it or drift away from it. See, it's easy to hear about Jesus and to mentally accept who he is. But then if you don't actually fully commit yourself to him consistently, it becomes very easy to just drift away. But see, there's a difference between drifting away and backsliding. And I think we get the two confused. Here the phrase drift away is more like mooring. Like as in you would moor your boat to a pier or to an object to keep it tethered together. It's like Buster Keaton when he filmed the movie Our Hospitality in nineteen twenty-three. See, there is this scene where they were shooting by a waterfall on set. Actually was even the set was actually right there physically where the waterfall was, and they tethered him. To a rock, so he couldn't go over the edge, but the tether broke, and what happened? He went over the edge. But dramatically, this footage made it to the movie itself because it was just a happenstance. It just so happened to happen, and the director loved what happened because it was an unnatural thing that looked natural, so they put it in the movie. But in life, we need to understand that we ourselves. Can't rely upon unattended hazards saving us because we've been warned. We have a warning and we know the warning signs, and church, the Bible itself is our warning. God's word has warned us, God's word is what actually keeps us moored to Jesus. We cannot stay connected to him unless we read the Bible. We must be conscious that it is not to drift away. We must be constantly committing ourselves to Jesus by studying and by reflecting upon his word. So how about those who backslide If there's a difference between drifting away and backsliding, who are those who backslide? They are those who know Jesus intellectually, whereas backsliding is when you know Jesus intimately. Actually, I I said that drifting away would would be when you only know him intellectually, but when you backslide, you actually know him intimately. Intimately, you've come to know him. You've attempted to delete and commit yourself to him. The things in your life that are keeping you from committing to him, brothers and sisters, there are those among us here this morning, and let's not kid ourselves, there are those among us this morning who only know Jesus intellectually. Basically, those of you who only know him intellectually, you would be considered to be loosely associated with him. You're not connected. You're not moored to Jesus. You're not being prevented from going over that waterfall. It's easy to drift away. You can hear about Jesus... You can be just like this lady who's been told to remove the things in her life that are going to prevent her from continuing to be connected to Jesus. But see, when we are unwilling to take those things out of our lives, then we'll never be able to fully commit ourselves to Jesus. But what we call this ultimately when it's pertaining to the gospel, it's what Jesus says in the beginning of Mark. He says, repent and believe. And when he says repent, he's saying, turn away from your sin and believe in me. Turn away from your sin and turn back to God. But if we just want to say, yeah, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but yet I'm not willing to repent, then we don't really know Jesus intimately. We only know him intellectually. So if you want to backslide, yes, that will happen as a believer. Trust me. We don't stop sinning. But that doesn't mean that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. But if you only know him intellectually, you're drifting away, which means you'll never have that intimate relationship with Jesus because you're unwilling to repent. And part of the reason why we come together here each and every Sunday morning. One of the reasons why we have life groups here at Villas Grace Church is for us to come together to remind one another that this is all about being fully committed to Jesus. And when we're together, we can point out things to one another that we can make sure that aren't preventing us from doing just that. Because I don't know about you, but I am not the smartest guy in the room. I am not the most perceptive man in the building. I need your help just as much as you need mine. Therefore, we do this together. Thus, we arrive at our first point this morning. Believers should be centrally anchored to Jesus. Believers should be centrally anchored to Jesus. And where we're at right here, this reminds me of something that I forgot to mention at the beginning. We have decided here at Villa's Grace, with all this being said, not to live stream our services any longer. Now, the reason being is this. If we live stream then we're encouraging others not to come on Sunday. And if you don't come here on Sunday, then you're going to have a really hard time being more to Jesus. It's going to be really hard for others to keep you accountable or for you to hold others accountable in your attempt to constantly be fully committed to Christ. Christ. That doesn't mean that we don't put our services or our sermons, shall I say, specifically online, which, yes, we are doing that each and every week. We're just not streaming our whole entire service live. We want to, as as we will see later on in Hebrews, encourage us to consistently be in the habit of coming together because Hebrews tells us, that we should not forsake the assembly of believers. And a few weeks ago, when I had mentioned to everybody that we will never shut these doors down again, using an absolute, which I will definitely stick to, do not like using absolutes in my life, but that's one that I will dogmatically defend, we will not shut these doors down because I don't want anybody to tell us to forsake the assembly of believers because I will obey our governing authorities, I will pray for our governing authorities, but I will not allow our governing authorities to tell us to do something that God's Word tells us to do. So for those of you who have been giving your offering specifically for the streaming, you can continue to do so because we still are recuperating funds from purchasing the equipment to be able to record what it is that we are doing. It's just that we want to be able to encourage the gathering of believers together. After all, in my opinion, if we don't, then I'm no different than that lady coming into my office and not sharing the gospel with her. We need the accountability. We're only strong if we understand that we are in this together as a body of believers, as a family. Once again, before we continue on, our main idea stated this, those who neglect the gospel cannot afford the hell to pay. Have you ever been late to a flight? Ever been late anywhere? Traveling to work? Rushing to get where you're going? The anxiety maybe has you driving a little bit faster than normal. Maybe taking some risks you normally wouldn't take. Or maybe you're just watching somebody else. Maybe it gives you a little bit of road rage watching how they're driving, not knowing that they're probably late to wherever it is that they're going. That anxiety, when you're trying to get somewhere when you're late, can be rather stressful. It can be intense. Brothers and sisters, the clock is ticking. It, it, it's, it, it's ticking. It doesn't stop. In our lives, it's tick-tock, tick-tock, tick, tock, tick, tock, tick It's consistent. It's a rhythm. And there's nothing that we can do to slow down the hands of time. Because after all, I think we all understand at this point, our lives are short. And if you were late for a flight... And you're rushing through that terminal. You knew what time that flight started. You knew that you had to be on that plane. And you're running as, after you get through security to get down to that terminal. But what happens once that cabin door is shut? It's too late. You're not getting on that flight. I'd like to read you this quote. How anxious we all became or become when we are running late to catch a flight. How much more unnerved should those be who are in danger of missing this glorious flight. The glorious flight of salvation. Church, if you dislike anxiety now, if you know what it feels like to be late somewhere, and be in a rush to get there before it's too late, then I can guarantee you one thing. You will certainly, most certainly, dislike the anxiety associated with missing out on salvation, associated with missing the flight that leads to, as it says in our text this morning, such a great salvation. And as we move to verses 2 through 4, let's look at verse 2 where it says, For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable. See, this message is the law given to Moses. From God, and he did it through angels, exactly how, we are not sure. But we know that angels participated in the giving of the law to Moses. See, the same message that leads to the gospel. The same message that we heard last week. The same message that says that Jesus Christ is our Messiah. He's our Savior. And He's even greater than the angels. However, what was true then is actually true now. Even then, when the law was given to Moses, if you neglect the message... If you neglect your transgression or disobedience, you will receive just retribution. Basically, what's being said is this those who willfully break God's law will be punished. Those who break the law, who only know God intellectually, will be paid back according to their sin. Brothers and sisters, God's law doesn't make us sinners. Don't get that twisted. God's law didn't make you a sinner. No. You were born sinful. Your birth, your first birth, made you sinful. But our transgressions or disobedience is exactly what that does. That's what makes us sinful. See, we always have to remember we were already born into sin. And we know this to be true because transgression means a sin of commission. It's basically an act of sin. It's a sin that's already being committed. Basically, it's the sin that we willfully commit. Now, disobedience is our neglecting to obey. It's our neglecting to do good. Basically, disobedience is the sin of actually doing good. Nothing. Either way, those who commit these types of sins will receive a just retribution. Church, God's punishment is always just. Always. Never is God's judgment and punishment not just. And he'll punish every transgression or disobedience. And it's just like the lady in the pastor's office. Unless she fully commits herself in repentance, she'll receive the just retribution of her sin. You can't just say, yeah, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I understand that he died for my sins. And then not do anything about it. Because what I don't understand with most people, and it's taken me a long time to even get to the point that I even realize that this is the mentality of most quote-unquote Christians, but really what it turns into for most of us, it's all about going to heaven. Their motivation is all about themselves. Church, if your motivation to pursue Jesus is based upon you going to heaven or not, you are missing your flight That cabin door has almost shut on you. Don't let it. This has nothing to do with us. Because if we're not willing to spend 10 minutes with Jesus here in this life, on this earth now, what makes us think that we want to spend eternity with him later? Don't fool yourself into thinking like this. This is about an intimate, personal, eternal relationship with Jesus. And if you are saved, if you're sitting here today and you know that the Holy Spirit lives within you, then your job as a believer is simple. It's not to save the world. It is to share the Savior. Later in Hebrews 10, we'll be encouraged not to insult the spirit of grace. We're going to get to that. But here in verses 3 and 4, and where our sermon derives its title, the title, The Consequence of Gospel Negligence, we need to remember the anxiety of running late, potentially having that cabin door shut on us before our flight leaves. Because in verse 3 it says, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? See, this is a rhetorical question. A rhetorical question is when a question is asked by somebody who already knows the answer. See, there's no escape for those in this life who neglect the gospel, those who neglect the good news of salvation for hell-deserving sinners through the person and work of Jesus. So what if you miss that flight? What if you do one day find that cabin door shut on you what happens what is your punishment do you, do you mistakenly think that you're not going to deal with the god of the old testament because the god of the new testament's this new and improved god no see the god of the old testament is the same god of the new testament and let me give you one example of what he did one time as documented in the book of Genesis, through this man named Moses, due to people's disobedience and transgressions. What did he do? He flooded the earth. The same God who flooded the earth is the same God who comes back as Jesus making war with men. So who here is neglecting the gospel. Are are you actually neglecting the gospel? Are you refusing to fully commit yourself to Jesus? Are there areas in your life that you just can't find yourself, can't bring yourself to delete? Be honest with yourself. This is an opportunity for all of us to take an honest self-evaluation of our own lives as it pertains to the good news of Jesus. See, because what what some of us are, all of us don't know, actually, is that that flight might just depart on us today. And, And some of us don't even know that we needed to buy a ticket. And then there's some of us that have already bought a ticket, but we're still running and chasing down the flight attendant before they close that cabin door because we're in the terminal and that flight's about ready to take off church times a ticking tick tock tick tock it's a rhythm see this is such a great salvation That's why we opened up this morning sharing what we shared. You're not just saved from your sin. No. You're being saved from living in a sinful world. Who do you trust? Nobody. Well, Except Jesus. Church, know what's going on. And as you know what's going on, pit it against the gospel. Compare and contrast. Because I will tell you 100% of the time, everything that you hear that's going on around the world is hypocritical. It's a bunch of hypocrites Leading a bunch of hypocrites. But what we need to understand is that we know the only one who walked this earth who never contradicted himself. He is who we follow. And we live in a great time. We live in one of the greatest times in the history of the world to be able to see things that are going on around us that aren't even close to happening locally. The information age has allowed us to see this veil being ripped apart and really what it should do for us as believers is highlight Jesus and his consistency. Because after all, as it says, it was Jesus who declared this first. Specifically, it says, it was declared first by the Lord. See, Jesus was the first Person to preach his gospel. So as Joe joins me this morning, we need to understand something from verse 4. Not only did Jesus preach the good news, but he also authenticated it through miracles. It says, The witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts. All of which were performed by Jesus and his apostles. See, there's going to come a day when the Antichrist is going to try to do everything that Jesus did. And through fakery and trickery, it's going to seem like miracles. Even in today's technological age, we have the technology today to do what is called deep fakes. We can make people seem like they're on video saying something that they're not actually saying. But if you don't know the gospel, you will get fooled time and time again. But if we know the Lord and His voice, we don't just know Him from an intellectual level. If we know Him in our heart, if we have fully committed, repented, turned away from our sin, and are consistently turning back towards Him, we will never be fooled These witnesses of signs and miracles were performed by Jesus, but also his apostles. See, the purpose of miracles is always, always, as I said, to authenticate the gospel message. Today, authentication is confirmed to us by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit living within you is who authenticates the gospel message. He is the one who teaches us these truths. Brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit is the chief indicator of God's work in our lives. So my question to each and every one of you this morning is this, do you have the Holy Spirit? Are you confident? Are you confident? that He dwells in you, please, just be honest with yourself. Not all of us here are confident that He dwells within us. So, for a moment, I would just like all of us to just lower our heads, close our eyes. Lower your heads, close your eyes. Nobody can see what I would like for you to do. If you are a little unsure that the Holy Spirit dwells within you. Just look up, so I can see you, so I can pray for you, not to call you out, but just so I can be praying for you. Even if you're just now recognizing this, even if you're just now recognizing your transgression or disobedience, has been keeping you from fully committing yourself to Jesus, I will be praying for you. If you understand that you have a flight to catch, or maybe you're just now realizing after you heard what you heard this morning that you have a flight to catch, if you just know Jesus on an intellectual level and you don't know him in your heart, as you've looked up, I will be praying for you as we all lift our heads up now, we need to understand our last point, our second point this morning, which states, those who neglect the gospel cannot neglect God's punishment. Those who neglect the gospel cannot neglect God's punishment. You can get away with neglecting him and his truth in this lifetime But there's going to come a day where you will no longer be able to neglect him. Church, he's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. He's going to destroy this earth. He almost did it once. And he has promised that he will fully do it the next time. And unless we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, unless we have repented and turned away from our sin and back towards God, His punishment is reserved for us. And we need to understand this. He has every right to do so. Not because we disobeyed His law, but because we were born into sin. Once again, our first point stated this. Believers should be centrally anchored to Jesus. Just like a boat can be moored to a pier or an object to keep it centrally focused. That's us as believers. We can encourage each other to be anchored to Christ. And one last time, our main idea stated this those who neglect the gospel cannot afford the hell to pay. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we continue in our pursuit of you. I ask that this church can do two things. I pray that we can encourage one another in you. But also I pray as we pray consistently and constantly that we can be used to share your good news with those who do not know you on an intimate level. We pray these things in our Lord and Savior Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.